You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, Wise Men Say listeners. Just a quick reminder that um, our live show at the Peacock is taking place on the 23rd of April, Monday night, um, and the guests are Lee Howie and Stephen Elliott. You can buy tickets online at WiseMenSay.co.uk for a fiver. Um, so... Get yourself along to that. It'll be great to see you there. Wise Men Say podcast, no Stephen tonight, um, so I'm doing this bit, as you've probably figured out by now, because you've just heard me do it, um, and I'm joining the studio by uh, Wise Men Say regulars, Richard Easterbrook, you can be called that, can't you? Yeah. Definitely. Formerly Mason of the Northern Echo, Mickey Loff, basically the George Honeyman of the, of the Wise Men Say team, that's how I like to refer to him as. I'll take it. Yeah, and uh, we've got James Hunter as well from the... The Evening Chronicle, not the Newcastle Chronicle, not called that, called the Evening Chronicle. I'm, I've got wrong lungs, as you can probably hear from my uh, dulcet tones at the moment. I've had an Ill, this weird fl- flu thing that's returned uh, for the last two weeks, which has been great fun. Uh, so yeah, is everybody else in good health though? Yep. That's yeah. all you're getting. That's all you're getting. Yes. <laughs> that's all you're getting. Fit enough. Fit enough. Fit enough. I've got a bit of a calf strain, but apart from that, I'm doing alright. Right, great. <laughs> I'm not interested in your physical injuries because they're not really important unless you've got like a, some sort of jaw issue, toothache, that, or injuries that keep you out of the podcast. I don't know. Neck problem potentially, sort of in and around the microphone area could cause an, an issue. But, but loss of voice, obviously. Loss of voice. Um, but you know, I've, uh, my voice has been on the edge. Like then I'm sure many people would be devastated to hear that it still remains intact. But it's nicer <laughs> when it drops down like an octave or so because you get a bit of more, you know, an authoritative tone. Well, my Barry tone White. is always authoritative. Somebody referred to me once as Barry, like it was uh, Chris Thompson from ALS said uh, did it once a few years ago with uh, a really bad cold, and he was like, "Oh, you sound like Barry White," and I was like, "Yeah, take that." Then that rhyming slang. He'd say it every week, wouldn't he? If it was. Surely. You've kind of gone from Barry Gibb to Barry White. We've seen a lot of Barry White in the stadium of light this season. Um, <clears throat> maybe we could resurrect him and get him to do the half time entertainment. I mean, that would be something special. Do you think that's beyond the powers of those that's on the FC? Uh, well, if he wants paying any sort of money for it, then probably yes. So. I mean that 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 wouldn't be the main barrier. Obviously, the the main. Well, no, we've got to think the logistics as well. Like. Yeah, the logistics are the, the main issue. Look, um, see him doing the crossbar challenge. Be be better at it than some people. Not me, obviously, because I uh, hit the crossbar. But um, as you, as you know, Mickey, because uh, you were in the defeated side. We're going to need some kind of like swear box system for every time you mention that. I band. haven't mentioned it that much. To be fair, I probably should have mentioned it more. Really? I've got a video of it if anybody wants it. Um, at Wise Men Say Pod, just uh, slide into the DMs and I'll send it over. <laughs> How many times have you watched it back? Um, not really very often, to be honest. I was at a restaurant with some friends and this guy w- that my mate was like, who's not something fan was on, a, we were talking about something to do with it. I mentioned that I did it and he was like proper impressed and he was like, I can't believe you didn't tell us. So I hadn't told him. So I hadn't told everybody. I think you're trying too hard to promote modesty. <laughs> I'm a very modest man, as people who know me will... Well, Richard, I am a very modest man, aren't I? Yeah. yeah See, you I'm very, very modest. I'm probably <laughs> the most modestest person in the world. Although that video is your pinned tweet. 
<laughs> it actually is, and I haven't got a pin tweet. I'm not pretentious. So, you know. Have you got a pin tweet, James? No. Good. No, I haven't either. Good. I haven't. Good, see. Anyway, shall talk about the football and that. Um, Sunderland were quite good at football again, third time in a row. Um, four points in the last three games, nowhere near enough. Um, it, how frustrating is it that we've probably hit our best spell of form at this stage of the season? Yes, it's only three games when it's pretty much finished, but at the same time, we've hit our best spell of form, we've only picked up four points as well. I think it would have been palatable if we just picked up one or two wins out of that 10 game spell because that's ultimately what's going to relegate us come the end of the season but I think sometimes as well it, you have to get relegated with a little bit of momentum because last season the problem one of the problems we faced certainly was we were absolutely on the floor at the end of the season we just had um, like the, the David Moyes factor where he kind of sucked the life out of the club and all the fans were on his back obviously his resignation lifted things a little bit but then just over a month later we've still got Ellis Short as the owner and Simon Grayson's been appointed as a manager so there wasn't really a lot of momentum to go into the season and obviously we had the fiasco with Celtic just before that pre-season so this season is very important that we have some positives to take in the next season such as the performances of some of the young lads in recent weeks and a bit of spirit and togetherness in the team and around the club and hopefully we can emulate that between now and the end of the season and get as many points as possible and try and at least go down with something to cling on to rather than just like desperation that we've been suffering for the last couple of years I mean that's got to be the real sickness and it's a, a sort of a book end of the season Richard is that obviously we had the Celtic game which was a massive party for Celtic and now we're going to be witness you know the Wolves party when they win the league and they'll be you know probably buying managing to, to buy tickets in the home end and all that kind of thing and you know they, they're going to have a lovely time and, and we're going to be sitting there sort of contemplating life in the third division for only the second time in our history so it's not great is it it's not great but it's been you know it's been on the other side of things we've we've you know taken over I remember Wigan back in 2005 Luton um, yeah, under Luton. Keane I think they went down actually didn't they we beat them 5 Five nil, I think last year the season Obviously, won the league. I think we had half a ground with Berry as well, didn't we? In the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Looking even further back, I've got a, a DVD of um, when Sunderland played down at Wrexham. I think that's in the relegation or the promotion season of uh, Division Three, um, Division Two into Division Three. And when Sunderland scored, I think it was Pop Robson scored half the half the home end went up, and there was loads of red and whites. So it happens at the end of the season. You know, these these are the things we kind of come to expect. Um, and as much as we dish it out, we've kind of got to accept it. There's not been much addition out at our end, really, has there, for the last however many years. My <coughs> um, part, I guess, Manchester United fans seem to have a real issue um, with the fact that uh, the Paul Poznan thing and there's some seems to bear a good. I was actually with Richard on the night we got relegated yeah. um, at Old Trafford um, after a nil-nil draw, and uh, they were obviously very gracious <laughs> that evening. So, um, well, didn't yeah. somebody try and run you over? That, that that's a, it's a common theme at the <laughs> games. <laughs> I've been attempted to be run over yeah. a few times, but no, we we were walking back to our car, which was parked at the um, the it was parked in the the Man United home fans end because we got a lift off somebody who um, supported Man United, so we had to walk through um, under under one of the sta the stands and through the throng of Man United fans coming out, and they, they said uh, we were kind of just having a bit of a laugh about something. It was a nil nil draw. It wasn't exactly you know we went taking our tops off and running down the down the, the concourse. And they said, "Oh, you're still down." Like well, we've known that since August. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we kind of accepted our fate. Yeah. But it was that 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 game was uh, fantastic. It was notable for uh, Chris Brown being sick on the side of the pitch. Yeah, didn't Calvin Davis have a blinder that night he as well? He did have a blinder. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo had a stinker as well. What I remember is uh, we were in the stands when they started the warm up and they came out, and Davis's first shot went through his legs. Um, and he kind of just laughed, and then after that, obviously, he had this amazing sort of actual, you know, amazing the best game he ever had for Sunderland. I think he they had about thirty shots. He must have made about thirty saves, which is twice as many as Lee Camp's made in about eleven games. So it's quite a good effort. Made two saves on Saturday though, Lee Camp. But in that game, sorry to go back like however many thirteen years in, into the into the past, had we won that game, not only would we have <laughs> again denied Man United the title. It meant that no, we did the, deny Man United. We did deny Man United the title, yeah. But we would have played Newcastle on the Bank Holiday Monday, and 
would have likely got relegated to them. So it, it was a more dignified solution for everyone, I think. Yeah. Was getting relegated Man United fans. <laughs> yeah, but who cares about them? <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever been run over at a football match, Neely? Uh, no, I've never been run over at a football match. Thank goodness. I, uh, you know, that's something. That's an experience that I haven't had, and that I'm not anxious to have, <laughs> as it were. Um, Bobby Robson almost knocked me over. Who? Sir Bobby Robson. He came to Sunderland to take in a, a game, and I was just I was idly wandering past trying to see if I could see any players. And this casting, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> <Mister> manager, yeah, <laughs> Mr. <Mister laughs> former manager of England yeah. coming towards you. Oh, well, yeah, it was, it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think was, if if it went to court, he would have been found. <laughs> <laughs> Retrospective punishment for, for Bobby Robson potentially. Who knows? Um, I mean, obviously, the the big talking point I think on on Saturday was around the influence of uh, Paddy McNair on the team, and I think we all. Know how important it's been after the game. Chris Coleman said James about him being he changes your life. Now he's out again tomorrow night. Is there any indication of what, what the problem is, or is it just too it just, much too much time? Just in, said he'd pitch? had a bang, a bit of, a bit of a knock. It was nothing nothing too serious. I don't I don't think uh, it's nothing related to uh, either the knee problem that he that he missed most of the season with, nor the groin problem that he missed. Um, you know, part of part of the, the second half of the season uh, I don't think it's anything serious nothing to concern yourself too much about uh, but yeah he's going to be a you know a massive um, miss uh, you know he's going to leave a huge huge void there because the team has it's no coincidence I don't think that the, the team has started to, to look a lot more likely um, in these last three games since he's come back into the starting starting lineup. I mean what I don't know what that shows about the league we're in the squad we've got, that one player, like McNair, can you know, with a modest fee, five million pounds, um, when we're in the Premier League as well. Um, how much of a difference that kind of player would make, and it, it does make you kind of go back over the the transfer policy, and you know the the amount of money we haven't spent, and the the wrong kind of players that have come into the squad. That were, you know, so focused on the fitness of one player because he changes everything. Well, it's not just him, is it? When you think about it, Sunderland have played most of the season without Paddy McNair and, and also Duncan, Duncan yeah. Watmore, and you wonder <coughs> how different the season might have, how differently it might have panned out had both of them been fit for most of the season. Um, I mean, we'll we'll never know, but I I would. Venture to suggest the, the situation wouldn't be as grim as it is now. I think McNair as well. I think he's shown a far broader skill set than what I thought he had when he came because obviously the limited amount I'd seen him at Manchester United was a centre half or playing as a deep line midfielder. And I very much thought he was just like a little bit of a water carry. He would like get the ball, like play like little five yard pass and keep things ticking over. But this season he hasn't shown that at all. He's shown himself to be quite good going forward. He scored two excellent goals, that long range shot against Bolton and the goal on Saturday. And, he, and like you said before, he just has that presence going forward, and he's got like energy. And as I say, he uses his physique very well when he when he goes forward and gets into attacking areas. So I think that's been a massive plus with McNair, as I say. We've said before, haven't we, that you know Sunderland's team, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of height in in there, and that's something that he brings into the midfield because in a midfield three, um, you know, where you've got Lee Catamall and George Honeyman alongside you, there's not much in the air there, is there? Whereas, uh, you know. McNair bring, brings that adds that dimension to it. I mean, you know, at least we'll have Ajari at the come in who has some presence, and he and he wants to keep the ball as well, which is important because I think that's been one of the major failings this season is players not wanting to keep the ball, um, and and we'll have that I guess with, with Ajari. I mean, I know there was some criticism around some of the substitutions uh, at the weekend. I, I would say probably over the three games we've played, there's been. Not a lot to criticise apart from Lee Camp in the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, you know, some people were kind of saying about the attacking substitutions at the weekend. You know, my feeling watching the game was I wouldn't have been so quick to to change it because I felt as though we had a good rhythm in the game. We were creating a lot of chances. It felt as though maybe if you change your system, brought an extra player on up front or something like that, it might there. Derail things because we'd lose possession of the ball in midfield, and then we we wouldn't have the ball to actually go at them, which would be the problem. Um, 
I don't know what, what you thought about that. I, I th- I'm very much in agreement with you, Gareth, because I think we saw a lot when um, Steve Bruce was a manager here going back quite a while that he would quite often just throw forwards on towards the end of games if we were chasing it. Or somebody did uh, stick centre off the front <laughs> as well. But what that but what that does, it naturally encourages you to go along when you have more forwards on the pitch and you just think get the ball get the ball like as quickly as possible and just get it forward to the front men and try and win flick ons etc etc and like you say I think we were, going forward we look quite dangerous we were playing some quite good stuff we were on the front foot we were passing it quite well and that, and I think the team just looked really well balanced so like you say I think it would have distorted things slightly I mean Coleman he's shown before he's not afraid to make sub- big substitutions I mean in some of his early weeks um, the Burton Albion game he brought on Joel the Sorrow which really changed the whole outlook of the game when we were going for it Against Fulham, he took off um, the two experienced strikers in Graben and Vaughan, and we brought on Madrid and the Sorrow, and that changed the game. So I think Coleman, I think he has come under criticism, but I don't see too many problems with his in-game management. To be honest with you, I think it's it's, it's an easy thing. I think this is something that that everybody does now. It, it becomes fashionable to criticise the team selection as soon as it's announced, criticise the formation as soon as the team goes onto the pitch, criticise the substitutions as soon as the game's over. Uh, when when things work out, nobody says a word. When when uh, when things don't work out, obviously the criticism rains down. Everybody's an armchair manager, and everybody's a manager after the fact, don't they? It's you know it's only when you know the outcome that you dare venture a criticism. I think you know the the McManaman one. I, I would have in the time I would have thought I would have had thought Asora would have been the player to come on, but then if you know McManaman puts his chance into one of the corners. And wins you the game, then everyone says what a great substitution that was, and he wasn't too far away. I mean, credit to the the Leeds keeper, you know, for a n- number of occasions made some excellent saves. I thought Fletcher was excellent, and you know, I'm really pleased that he has put in some good performances because whatever you say about you know individual players this season, he's still a young lad. It's not very nice to see somebody go out there and suffer. You know, go and be booed onto the pitch, and no. and things like that, and it, it's 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 sad, but it's nice to see him actually gaining in confidence. And I thought he was his, his link-up play in particular. I think with the way he's dropped off, being intelligent, I think he's done really well. And he was a bit unlucky, I thought, at the, at the weekend with his with his chances that he had hit the bar, obviously, and uh, made a great save, made the keeper make a fantastic save. I think he's. I think he's. He's started to look the part in recent games. Um, he didn't in his early early time at Sunderland. I guess there's an, uh, to a certain degree he hadn't been playing regularly while he was at Borough. Needed some time to get up to speed. He probably took longer than than people expected. But in these last, you know, three games certainly, um, he, he's looked the part. And and I think if, if there was another five games to go after this, if we had ten games remaining now and, and not uh, and not five. Um, you'd, you'd suddenly think oh, Sunderland are in with a chance here with a, a Fletcher in that kind of form I think what's, what's happened is obviously they run out of games I mean it's been the case really for a lot of the players that have been brought in I mean Clark Salt has been suspended for five of them um, and, and Ajari has been injured two or three games and then he's been out of the team because we've played well and McNair's been back Lualuaz as I say has been injured Camp's not you know, sadly indeed himself. Um, so across the board, really, you know, it's been another bad window. And Coleman stated this week he'll have to he'll have to do the rebuild, regardless of what division we're in. I mean, how confident are we? I know we're looking a, a bit ahead, and the likelihood is going to be in League One. But how confident are people that we're going to get it right this time? We have to. <laughs> no we, say that, we, we have to. We say we have to every six months. And I, I, I do think um, one positive I mentioned. I touched on the young players before, and I think the, the positive uh, good performances is that at the end of the season, I think there's ten players who are either going to go back to their parents' clubs or they're going to be released. And obviously, Darren Gibson got released um, recently. So I think that gives Coleman a little bit of lead in the transfer market in that because we've got like George Honeyman playing well, we've got Lyndon Gooch playing well, we've got Madura Sorrow showing the glimpse of promises, we've got Ethan Robson, Embleton's been on the fringe of the times. So I think in in that sense, Coleman doesn't then have to go out and sign six players who we would need to <coughs> replace them if they weren't performing or weren't up to scratch. And I think that the performances of the young players and the hardships of the fact that when you over Caesar will have served them well a lot better than say going out on loan to Grimsby or something which maybe we would have done in an ideal world if we had a bigger and better squad this season 
so hopefully we can build it around like a young core of players, which will make a nice change from the quote-unquote rotten core, which everyone seems to like to talk about. Mm. Um, but no, so I think there are positive signs, and I think, as, as I say, if you have a young group of players who want to be here, and they'll show the kind of passion and commitment that the fans demand, and we can actually like, like, have some good scouting over the summer and get some like players who were suited to League One. I think one thing I will say though, I don't just want another summer where we bring in kind of like names to comfort the fans, mm. which I think we were guilty of last summer. I mean because it, it is nice as fans when you hear like names coming in who you've heard of. So Mark Wilson when we signed him and I saw Callum at Manaman, you look and you think they've been Premier League players and you remember the Premier League players that they were rather than perhaps the injury prone kind of like over the hill pros that they've become. So I just hope this summer we have a proper like recruitment policy in place and try and bring the right characters and the right players into the club. I mean, how? Sorry, carry on, Richard. No, just I'd, I'd expect, if not hope, that our scouting team would be looking at League One now, watching games, watching teams, not just players but teams as well, just seeing how they're set up, what kind of pattern of play, what you know, what kind of a, a of a magic sequence of of players you need to 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 get out of that league. I mean, from from watching a few games, you, you think you need. A good amount of physical ability. You need a good amount of kind of aerial ability. But you know, you need a, a good mix. But that's that's what the best teams that have come up out of that league, the likes of you know Leicester, um, Southampton, Swansea, have all had a mix of, of of your young players, which we have an abundance of. But also kind of augmenting that with with your kind of agricultural players without without using a without using a, 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 a swear word. But uh, it's it's your kind of classic. You know, lower league players that that can just bully the way out of that division, and that, that's what we need to be looking at. You need some, you need some bruises. There's no doubt yeah. about that. You know, some some bruises in in that league. You know, if you think back to players that Sunderland have had in in the past, you know, you need your fair share of your Billy Whitehursts and you know, defensively, you know, your Paul Butlers, people like that, people that are about six foot six wide as well as tall. You know, you need people that are going to uh, stand up and, and be counted, and you need those alongside your. Um, you know your more skillful players, your you know your Honeymans and and such have your Linden Gooches because young lads with sort of diminutive stature are not going to make it on on their own at, at that level. They're going to need backup from from a, you know bruisers, as I say. You say agricultural, I say bruiser, <laughs> but um, we're both talking about the same kind of player. Um, I think the big question and which underpins all this, even right down to whether it's Chris Coleman that's doing the rebuilding, is who's going to be in charge who's going to own the football club um you know beyond the summer because at the moment um chris coleman's having to to look at um two different version two different plans um of who you would bring in if if you've got no money to spend if if uh, ellis short stays on at the club and who you would bring in if somebody came in and you know made an amount of money available to you uh, Obviously, in League One, it wouldn't cost you anything like the sums that, that you've needed in the past. You don't need a king's ransom to compete, um, but you do need something. You need some money. Um, but you bear in mind, uh, Simon Grayson got one and a quarter million pounds last summer, and that was nowhere near enough in in the Championship. Um, in in League One, you know, you probably need, I don't know, five between five and ten million pounds, and you could rebuild your squad for that for that level. I think five million pounds at that level, you'd be. Yeah, I don't think there'll, there'll not be a team in that league who's had five million pounds to spend for a very no. long time. Nope. Um, so I mean, the, the, if you look at the the spending in that division, it's more aligned with what we spent yeah. this year, and that's a high spend yeah. in that division. A lot of when loans, a lot of frees. But when you think you know five million pounds, if <coughs> Sunderland spent five million pounds this this summer, if if they did. Which and it would take a new owner to get that kind of money, um, you know. That that's the kind. Of, that's the kind of uh, you know that will be seen as chicken feed if you're if you're in uh, in the Premier League. You know that's that's the kind of money that that Sunderland would lose on a trade, um, on a on a player trade in in the Premier League. But you can, as we were saying, you can rebuild a whole squad on that in League One. I think what we've done in the past is that say if we bought a player for two, three, four, five million, would that wouldn't be the only amount of money we'd ever have to spend yet in League 1 and League 2 if a club has a million pounds chances are they're only going to be able to spend that once and it's getting the right player first time rather than having this trial and error approach to transfers that we've been that we've been trading on for the last yeah. you have to, have to build a team as well not just a collection look at that Absolutely. look at that squad that squad 
spans. You know, there are players there, Lee Catamull being the longest longest serving. You know, that he, he dates back to two thousand and nine. So that squad has been built over nine years and, you know, about as many managers. So there's there's different people there from so many different regimes. Um you know and you don't want that. You want one one so far as you can, you want we want one vision um uh, and one one person's uh one one person's stamp on that on that squad. Somebody has to to revamp that squad fully, and there's a big opportunity for that this summer because so many players are out of contract or loan players who are going back to their parent clubs. There aren't that many who will who will survive, and certainly not by the time you know other players have have moved on and, and been sold on. Um, you know, somebody will be able to start with as, as near as you can get in in football to a clean sheet of paper, and that's what Sunderland need. I mean, you talk about emulating teams and you know the, the discussion five years ago was we should be more like Southampton we should be more like Swansea or whatever they're both you know under threat of relegation from the Premier League because they deviated from their system because they had something in place that was working it had a bad spell then they had to react and they've been cloning it back ever since and like you say James completely agree about the attitude towards the team it's about building a team and I think you look at a team like again I'm not trying to do we should be like Burnley or we should be like Bournemouth I don't think that but it's about looking at them and what they've achieved through their approach of you know Stephen Ward still playing in the Premier League as a left back for Burnley it baffles me I can't like if Stephen Ward was playing for Sunderland he'd be dreadful and you know Scott Arfield or whoever they, they would end up you know that you bring these players in stick um I don't know. Uh, what do you call him from Bournemouth, the midfielder who played for Newcastle? Dan Gibson. Uh, Dan Gosling. Dan Gosling. Yeah. I've got and you know, you put Adam Smith or whatever people like that. Stick them in as individuals in our team, and they wouldn't perform. But in that, Junior Stanislas, Junior Stanislas dropped down to the third division. You know, with 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 these type with with uh, Burnley, I think in. You know, it's it's a team. A team has to be more. It is. It's than more. It's more it, it is. I'm, I'm probably laboured the point a bit there. Whereas, but yeah. whereas Sunderland have, in these recent seasons, have have had a you know have had parts that are much more than the sum. Some of its team. You know, it's the idea that you spend the money on the player and your team gets better. We had this when you know, or you know, the mouthwatering prospect under Martin O'Neill after that really good impact he had in his first season of. We're going to have a front four of Sessegnon, Fletcher, Johnson, and McLean, and we had eight shots in seven games at the start of that season. Um, so it, it's not always about just chucking these players in the team and it working. And we know that as well as anybody because we've seen repeated players, repeatedly players come to the club who we thought they should be good enough and they're found massively wanting um, and the problem is we end up in a situation where we're, we're nursing them for the rest of the contracts on massive wages and usually loaning them out and then they go out and loan and are relatively successful so, you know look at Wabi Kasri wrote articles this week about him you know he's dragged Ren from being relegation potentially relegation on mid-table fodder in the French League the Europa League contenders and it's because obviously he fits in their side um, and we need to find you're right Mickey we need to find these players whether they're playing at that level, level at the moment they're playing the championship maybe we'd fancy I mean thinking off the top of my head you know trying to think of players I might have seen this season where I think could we you know someone like Matt Smith as cute we are I know it's like just off the top of my head he's not really playing that regularly there but you know he's six foot four, striker target man you know I think somebody like that kind of player if we bring those types of players in and they've got the hunger and the fight to play for Sunderland for example you know the, these are the kind of things we need to be looking at the kind of deals we need to be doing and it's going to be a very different very different squad it's going to be a little bit gutting I think to see the kind of players that we're going to see because we've almost you know we've been shopping at weight rows haven't we like as the, as the mm. Steve Bruce quote was and now 
you know, I like but Lidl, that, but we're shopping at Lidl. But, that, <laughs> but that's kind of that's kind of my fear in it as well, you know. And I hope that it doesn't. Are we equipped to shop at Lidl? It doesn't turn out doesn't turn out to be uh, true, but I hope that that fans aren't sniffy about the players that are going to arrive. I don't think, in, I don't in think the they summer. will be. You know, that's 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 what I was going to say. Hopefully, none you, of them think that you need to build a team enough. that's fit for the purpose that you intend it, which is going to have to be to win promotion from League One. It's you know, it's no good saying, "Oh well, you know, we used to buy this quality of player, and now we're buying this quality." The fact is that the club is now two divisions lower than in, than it was at this time last season, or, or you know, will will be the case by then in all probability. So, uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to cut your cloth accordingly and bring in the right kind of player to do the job you want to do. You're gonna be bringing in, you know, your your Billy Sharps and people like this that have got yeah, well, Sheffield. Well, but this is the but this is the the point though. You have to get players that that look at the players that took Sheffield United from where they were to where they are now, and it's going to be finding that kind of quality player and a lot of the players are going to come and, and people are going to think I've never heard of him I don't know much about him you know, you know he was always on the second half of the uh, football on five and I never stayed up that late kind of thing um, but these are going to be the players that Sunderland need now I think he, he, as well he, I always made the point in an expectation setting when we talk about youngsters who've gone out on loan like at the moment obviously Nelson's at, at, at Dunfermline is it Dunfermline? it is yeah yeah <clears throat> And uh, you know he's playing the Scottish Championship, but people are like, "Oh no, he's doing quite well. Bring him back, chuck him in, or whatever." But on the flip side, if we went, nobody had heard Andy Nelson before, and we were linked with Andy Nelson of Dunfermline, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of people turn the nose up on it. But it's the fact that it's a young player who's gone out on loan who we normally want to succeed and want to do well. So it is. I think. I think there will be some. It's only natural. I think there'll be some not stuffiness about the kind of players we're signing but I think there'll be a natural kind of purge of how we ended up here and that I, you can't blame supporters for that because I think that's just a natural thing but I think as we saw on Saturday and as we've seen over the last few games it doesn't matter who you are where you're from if you come out and you play with pride like we've seen Gooch done just done in the last three games I don't think anybody cares I think there was. I did. I get that feeling about the game on Saturday. Pretty much, we relic, were relegated after that game, but people were still talking positively mm-hmm. because because of what they've seen, what they've been given by the players, and that's what's going to count ultimately. This is this is what what I I think is my hope for for going forward is I've seen you know Sunderland fans mood drop over the last you know six six years or, or whatever as the club's decline has has continued. The club needs to regenerate. The fans need to, uh, you know, need to get on on an upward curve again. Along with with the club, needs to bring the whole thing together. Um, and that's why. And I know I said this about the championship last season because I wasn't expecting by any means it to be as bad as this. But what Sunderland fans need is a team that's winning week in week out. And it doesn't really matter, I don't think, whether that's in League One or or anywhere else. The point is that that. Fans are going to the Stadium of Light, watching their team win, and going home happy and entertained. Um, and yes, great. Yeah, if that's in the Premier League, fantastic. But if it's not in the Premier League, then better better they'd be doing that in League One than fighting for survival uh, yet again in, in the Premier League. I didn't think last season there was any great prize to finishing fourth bottom and knowing you were going to struggle yet again and then again and again. You know, it just becomes a a, a, you know, a cycle of, of of survival and half a dozen wins or eight wins, nine wins a season. Nobody moving because that's the way that the Premier League has now gone. I find the Premier League now completely. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the right word for it. I find that find the Premier League quite a, a sterile place. Unless you're one of that, those top clubs, nobody's interested. You just you're just there to make up the numbers. I don't even think mid table exists anymore in the no. Premier League. You've got your top no. six and the rest. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And you look at the media coverage that's around the Premier League. It's all about Guardiola, Mourinho, and Klopp, and and all the guys at the top of the table, and who said what about who, and all the rest of it. That's it's, it's almost like like that's the the discussion even more so than the football now. And if you're a if you're a, a Brighton or a Bournemouth or a Huddersfield or a Newcastle or a, you know any of the teams in in, in you know the, the outside that leading group, you're really just fighting it out to make sure you don't finish in the bottom three. And I don't think that's any great prize. 
I think to just develop a little bit of what Jim said there, I think he's absolutely bang on that we have not had an opportunity to generate momentum for about 10 years because we've always, when we've stayed up, obviously you finish the season on a high and everyone's buzzing, you're looking forward to the next season. But invariably, a lot of players have gone back to repairing clubs from loan spells. We haven't been able to replace them, and you're having to sign six or seven players just to kind of like make ends meet and make up the numbers. And then you start slowly for the next season, you invariably get a new manager, and the cycle's continued. And I think at least this summer, like you said, even if you have a, a relatively small budget in that league, you've got an opportunity to rebuild. And I know we've said this before, particularly this season, but you look at the source of money that clubs are spending now in the Championship, I think Middlesbrough spent nearly 40, 50 million, didn't they, this yeah. last summer? Yeah. They've thrown everything at getting promoted. And I think, though, if we can, as I say, hopefully with new owners, and we get some good players in for that level, and we start winning a few games, then I think that if we get momentum behind us, then we can start to look forward with a bit of optimism. Because you look at the sides like Bolton, who in reality are awful, and you look at that squad on paper, and it's really poor, same with Millwall. But the difference is, they went up with momentum, and they have the togetherness, and have continuity and stability, and that counts for a hell of a lot when you're in in the Championship and leagues like that. So as I say, I think we've just got to really see this opportunity to get a bit of positivity going in the right direction again. And then you can start to build, rather than just having these short-term fixes to really long-term problems constantly. I think you can... <clears throat> You definitely, if you if you've got the momentum, you know I don't think the step up between the League One and the Championship is that great. I I, I really don't. I think if you're organised, you've got the right players with the right mentality. All you got to do is be efficient. I think yeah. in the Championship to get results, and that's what we've seen with with Millwall, prime example, um, Sheffield United. Um, they know what they're doing. Yeah. They know what the jobs are. They haven't spent the booklet load once they've come up and replaced the players who got them in the way. I mean, remember Millwall came up in the playoffs as well. It was mm -hmm. a, a late winner that got them into the championship, and now they look the they're, they're what seventh, eighth. Um, they've got a real chance of getting into the the playoffs, which is, you know, we've played them twice this season. We've been the better team on both occasions, and yeah. you know, it it, it does. It does baffle you, you know, over the course of the season how how we've ended up where we have it. But they're the kind of teams that, in the first instance, at least, Sunderland need to em emulate. You know, you need to to look at, at what Millwall have done, what Sheffield United have done, what Brentford have done, what Bristol City have done. They're not great players that play for those teams, but they are very good teams, yeah. very good Championship teams now. You know, and Sunderland need to build <coughs> one of those. You need to we need to build. You know, I guess you'd have to look back to the you know the team that that Reedy built to find the last time when someone had a proper team, a, you, you know, a real the, team. Do you know what the point of that is? Is he had, he had two different teams. He had a quite a dull team. Yeah. That got forty points in the Premier League and hacked away to promotion probably in ninety five ninety six, and then when the, he needed to revamp it in the when we got relegated because we we had a poor start and all of a sudden he, the shackles came off. And we were this, you know, free-flowing attacking team, ripping people to pieces, and that—that yeah. that was the theme that continued. But the players he had, he utilised the best way possible. But it was a team, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't just a collection of of individuals. It was it, it was a team, and it was put together by, or in the main, by one manager with one, you know, set of ideas and principles about how he wanted to play. I mean, ultimately, we didn't succeed when obviously we got promoted to the Premier League. But I think who we need to look at as a more accurate case study would maybe be the Mick McCarthy promotion team in 04 or 05. Because when you look, obviously, you had kind of players like Julio Walker, who were the best players in the team, and George McCarthy down that left hand side. But ultimately, that was a very ordinary team. And you look back and you think, how did that get promoted? Well, he brought in Liam Lawrence exactly. and, and um, Dean Whitehead, if you know from the third division weren't they yeah. I think they were playing in the fourth division even sorry you'd have exactly. Mansfield and I mean, uh, Cambridge yeah. I think they were at weren't they could, could you imagine yeah, exactly. Oxford was he Oxford, Oxford sorry yeah. could you imagine if social yeah. media was like around then and we signed players from like Mansfield and Oxford and teams like that well, it would have been ready to go was it, yeah. at the time I remember the reaction at the time and it was a lot of there was a lot of negativity towards it because a lot of these fans hadn't heard of these players yet you look at the, the track record of them and they're, um, Liam Lawrence had just gone into the playoffs with Mansfield and it was an exciting prospect and um, I don't think there was any YouTube videos because I don't think YouTube was a thing then but um, I know Dean Whitehead was was um, Oxford's player of the year so there was kind of real track record behind those players and also and also those those kind of players 
um, they saw coming to Sunderland as a as a big step yeah. up in their mm. career. Yeah, you know, I remember Dean Whitehead uh, coming to Sunderland and he drove into training on his first day in his Ford Mondeo and was looking around going, "Wow, you know, where where have I come? This is fantastic," because that making that jump was a huge thing for 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 him. Um, you get the impression, particularly when Sunderland were in, in the Premier League and taking uh, people on loan from other clubs, that they would come to Sunderland if there was nowhere else to go. They were doing you a favour, mm-hmm. and and you know that's the the worst sort of uh, the worst feeling to have if you're if you're a fan. I'm I'm sure is to think that these guys think they're doing me a favour by being here, and they're absolutely hopeless. I think a lot of the players that you saw come in under under Moyes at the especially the trans the January transfer window last season and you see them arriving at the club and you think this is just another stop this mm. isn't where they want to be this is just another stop and maybe maybe for Julian Lescott it's just another payday on on the way down to wind down his career with Gibson it was the same it was just you don't I, I, see I think you're right Rich I think you don't you're see right. outside of the, the young players that we have a I think, real kind I think you're desire right. to play for the club I think the sad thing is that at that point um, the only reason that, that those players would come to Sunderland is because the the new Moyes, yeah. uh, he, other players wouldn't have come. It was, he was only able to get those players because, you know, given given the club's finances and what have you, through his own through his own uh, you know relationship with them. Otherwise, you you know they would have been looking further down the pecking order. And that's the problem with with some at the moment. They're basically having to go around to other clubs and say, "Who have you got that we can have for nothing?" And then those players, this some of those players are turning around saying, "Actually, no thanks." Well, that bombshell. On that cheery note. We'll um, come back in a second. We've got a competition, we've got stuff to give away. So that's quite exciting, isn't it? So if you entered this, stay tuned. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Laughing at us there, laughing in my face. Couldn't hear what he was saying because I mixed the mic sound. What were you saying? I was just inquiring as to whether you're still holding the wrestlers burgers under your bed. I am. Um, I forgot about them again, so maybe we should give them away at the the live show along with. I was gonna uh, say, it's a kind of prize where you'd be a little bit embarrassed to chase it up. Well, the lad, yeah, the lad <laughs> hasn't. So if you're listening and you want to chase me for it, I'll I'll sort it out. Otherwise, I tell you what, we'll roll we'll roll the prize over. We'll give it away at the. Um, at the live show, which you win two tickets for for this competition. So, the beauty is with that competition prize. Just going back to that, is that you can keep that rolling as long as you like. You can because it is never product. going to go off. It's not going to go off. Yeah, that they are not going to. They they never fit for purpose. We could open it. We could open we it when we, we when we get back it. into the Premier League. Have like a burger party. There's only two in the tin. Even tin yeah. food goes off eventually. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yes, so the the competition, um, you can win two tickets for the game on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, um, against Norwich City, um, and so if you've won this, get in touch as soon as possible, because we'll have to obviously sort out getting getting the tickets, you're basically collecting from the ground, um, and two tickets to the live show, 23rd of April, Monday the 23rd of April, Lee Howie, Stephen Elliott at the Peacock, um, tickets are still available for that for a fiver, but you'll, you'll get two tickets to that as well. The question... Was um, centered around the idea that we've had a lot of kids being chucked in this season, so I suggested which celebrity Ben would you add to the mix in order to give Sunderland a lift. We had a few answers. I'll read the the best ones. Um, we had Callum at Callum who said uh, Charlie Brown not to play 
just so that Donald Love could have a mate off the pitch. I could see that relationship. Charlie Brown, Donald Love. Do you know who Charlie Brown is? Mickey looking at it with a blank face. Can't say I'm an expert in that particular no, field. There's no, Charlie now field. There you go. Stephen Goldsmith, some bald man. Um, he's got no offence to um, the Artful Dodger, he would pick him, wouldn't he? The Artful Dodger need to find alternative ways to bring, <clears throat> to both bring in revenue and continue to rip the fans off in League One. Um, That's cynical. Yeah, it is cynical, isn't it? It's the kind of thing that I would say. Um, Alex Campbell um, says Rollo from Grain Chill, he would add looks and a bit of robustness to the back four. Again, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't know. Um, Tom Wilcox says Paris Jackson. Only chance of us seeing Europe. I think she's a model now. Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson's one of his yes, set. Um, wears a mask, I think. Does yes. still wear a mask? It's a mask. Has she been demasked? Don't know. Don't know. Well, if she's a model, then it'd be a rubbish yeah. uh, model, wouldn't it? Um, Ray Hopkins um, says the creative genius of Kevin McAllister is a number ten with his older brother Buzz bullying the rude word out of anything that moves. <laughs> Hang, hang on, what, what are we talking about? Kevin McAllister and Buzz? Yeah, in, the in same some team. kind of like splice. No, no. Right. I don't know. I think is I think Buzz would be would sort of maybe be like either deep line midfield or maybe a sweeper. I could see Buzz as a sweeper just sitting in there. Do we want Home Alone era Buzz or 2018 era Buzz? Because well, that's we all be know Home Alone. We, we wouldn't want Culkin, we it? wouldn't want modern era Macaulay Culkin, would exactly. we? I don't think it'd be fit for purpose. And plus, he's got you've the seen, fight that he had then. You've seen where he's like when when money when he gets a bit of money behind him. If you've seen Richie Rich before, again, <laughs> and when he says it. Kevin McAllister, he doesn't say he doesn't say the he doesn't say Macaulay Culkin. He says Kevin That's McAllister. I could see Kevin McAllister. Yeah, I quite like that answer, Ray, because you know I could see Kevin McAllister, you know, doing some damage, <laughs> you know, quite I'd rather literally. Have the, I'd rather have the Wet Bandits as like a flat back too. Because however many times you knock them down, again, they're, they're in Home Alone. Um, <laughs> I have seen Home Alone before. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> however many times you knock them down, they still get up. They're not children, though, are they? And the question was around celebrity children. I retract my original statement. <laughs> I'd quite like to see Data from the Goonies in there, because he's you know, got a few tricks and he up his sleeve. Um, and he was also in Indiana Jones, wasn't he? So that's pretty cool. Just anyway, just, you know. Have you, have you ever thought about this, Mickey? So you've got a modern reference that you understand, celebrity <laughs> child, <laughs> that you put in there, Harvey in goal. Not off the top of my head, no. One of the yeah. Beckhams, I guess. One, yeah, it's a bit boring though, isn't it? Yeah. One of them is a footballer. Is he? Yeah, he was at Arsenal, wasn't he? Get him in. The yeah. trial at Arsenal, I think. Might have been. Might have been. Not sure. It's not what you know. <laughs> it's who you know. Any ideas, James? Have you got a... Something you can add to the mix. I mean, one of you're your not going to win, so. Well, well, I'm not going to tell you. Um, <laughs> somebody has suggested Roly Browning, aren't they, from Grange Hill? I mean, I don't, I don't see Roly being being the man. I think Ziggy would have been the one. He was the the scouse lad, wasn't he? That captain the football team was supposed to be pretty good, if I remember right, from my 80s memories of Grange Hill. It's probably that's Ziggy, before Ziggy my be time. Better. Well, there you go. <clears throat> what about the what you call him? Uh, just say no, that fella. Roland. Yeah, yeah, because then obviously nobody would feel any drugs test, would they? He could just well, be like, Zamo, Yeah, Zamo, yeah, yeah. He could he, he, yeah. he could keep on top of that side of things. Yeah. But yeah, what who do you think should be the winner then? I don't think my Come opinion on. counts for much in your mind. It's just here. Well No, just silence. I've 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 already forgotten there. Yeah, well I'm gonna decide it's, go it's on, go on, go on. yeah, Ray Hopkins, you've won with your uh Kevin McAllister answer as a number 10 and, and buzz in and around the midfield and sitting in front of the defence causing bother I think yeah. that would be difficult uh, plus he's got spiders as well so. he does have spiders um, which yeah. which could obviously scare some people a worthy winner I think there's many uh, is a point actually like if you're an arachnophobic footballer you could like if, if you weren't scared of spiders like carry a spider with you and then like at a corner just like whips a spider out. Wouldn't that be like ungentlemanly conduct? Don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've looked at the the laws of the game many times. <laughs> I don't, don't believe it covers spiders, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you'd have, you'd have good grounds for an appeal. 
Imagine Var picking picking the bones out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you see the spider? Yeah. He produces it as the ball is played. Yeah. Red card. Red card for spider production of an arachnid. <laughs> be like a I would say on the on the soccer Saturday. Well, somebody <laughs> trying to. Who was the guy that, at Newcastle? You saw the Spider-Man mask. Didn't that was good. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't score for about six months. So when he finally pulled it out, it was because he kept it in his it. pants. He kept it in his pants when he finally pulled it out. I hope he washed it. <laughs> Beat like week did. to week. You'd hope, because otherwise it would. It probably would have perished. Yeah. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Anyway, on that <laughs> on that bombshell, um, we should probably finish, shouldn't we? Really. So well done to the person I can't remember the name of um, for winning Ray. the prize. Ray. Ray Ray Hopkins. Get in touch in the next few hours. Once you've listened to this, you have won two tickets to the Norwich game, um, and you've won two tickets to the live show. Make sure you get if you haven't won or you were thinking about going. Last two weeks of these things, they're always like people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll buy me tickets now. There's only like 30 left or something, so you better get a shift on. <coughs> There'll be a ray of happiness. It will be midnight, like, to be fair, because, uh, you know, Lee, obviously his book's been out recently, it's excellent, and Stephen's really good as well. Um, I've been on the show a few times. And obviously, you know, get in the diary as well, the aforementioned on the show, Chris Brown. Um, he, he's doing the Burton game with us before, the Peacock, uh, at the Peacock before the Burton game. Um, which is the Saturday before the live show, the 21st, so make sure you pencil that in your diary as well. Um, but we'll be back on Thursday to preview the Reading game, the massive Reading game. Tell you what, you know, if we beat Norwich and, and Bolton lose and Barnsley lose tomorrow night, the gap's only four points. It's not insurmountable, and then we can all start yes, it dreaming is, right? again. <laughs> yeah. Don't dash people's dreams. I'm trying to dash my own dreams. I can't be bothered to get like any kind yeah. of excitement again about Sunderland before the end of the season. As Chris Coleman was saying today, he said, I don't mind must-win games. He says when they stop being must-win games because it doesn't matter anymore. That's the time to worry. Prophetic, as always, from Chris Coleman. Anyway, on that note, thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns